to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. This is Band from Ringside. Tonight from the Band from Ringside podcast, we're going to talk about all things Forbidden Door. Crazy event. Your boy was there. It's going to be story time with JCB here in a little bit. We're going to flip over to Dynamite, talk about the fallout from the Forbidden Door. And yeah, we're going to talk a little WWE. I guess they got a pay-per-view coming up this week. Uh, It's, you know, money in the bank. Yeah, whatever. This week on the Band from Ringside podcast. Ditch that nine to five. It's time to fill live. Hello, Marks, and welcome to another edition of the Band from Ringside podcast. I'm your special guest host, Jason Cornelius Bell, JCB, a.k.a. Don't Bring Hand to the Beach. And out there in Portland, Oregon, representing (laughs) BFR West, it's your boy. You know him. You love him. It's two beer. Zach Pullman, two beer. Tell me something good. Scissor me, daddy, JCB. We take it over the pod. We take it over the pod. What's going on, big boy? Oh, nothing. Yeah, it's just uh, vibing out here in the Pacific Northwest. Good weather. And uh, just, uh, yeah, cranking out, ready for the holiday. Like, I don't really give a fuck about, like, America. Uh, it's all going to, we're polishing the brass in the Titanic. But I'll take the three-day weekend. Dude, so. I was about to say, you stepping all on my joke, man. That was good to say it's it's funnier when the black guy says something about Fourth of July, but good old two beer, I love you for it. You just stay black, brother. Stay black. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, welcome to another edition of the Band from Ringside podcast. I will ask the crowd, the the congregation, if you will, to bow your heads as I read from the latest edition of the Band from Ringside podcast, volume two sixty three, chapter three, verse fourteen. And the good smart saith, hashtag boo the heels. It's all good, baby. Listen, share, subscribe, repeat the holy trinity of BFR. Obviously, we're down one man. Bill is at a concert tonight. What's the name of the guy? Con- who's who's he going to go see with his wife? Uh, the Avett Brothers, which I'm jealous because I've never gotten to see them live. So. Um yeah, they're one of my favorite bands for sure. Curly big with the brothers, as uh, <laughs> Eddie Murphy said in one forty-eight hours. Yeah, I just dated myself. <laughs> but that being said, Bill's not here. We're gonna miss him. Uh, I do have a couple of things, notes from Bill. Uh, I should have pulled up the his literally his words from last week as he ran down one of the matches on the Forbidden Door card. But neither here nor there, he did have a couple of things to say about that. We'll toss that in as we get there. Um, I don't think I'm missing anything. Yeah, AKA my shit. Two beers here. We got a lot to talk about, man. <laughs> we got a lot to talk about. So let's not fuck around. Let's get to that three count. And obviously the one count is the Forbidden Door pay-per-view at the United Center on Sunday. Uh, I would like to give some shout-outs before we get things started. I'd like to give a shout-out first and foremost to my wrestling lord and savior, High Five Tom, for hooking up the tickets. If he didn't hook up the tickets, I wouldn't be there. If he didn't hook up the hotel room, wouldn't have a place to sleep. He made a lot of this shit happen, okay? He had a lot of shit to juggle in the year. So first off, shout-out to my boy, High Five Tom. Shout-out to my boy, Brett, from the Buster Boys. He was on here a couple weeks ago. 
I didn't know that there was a more of a bad influence than Bill Vagie until I met Brett. Okay. We got to keep these two jokers away from each other. Cause I, if they get the near each other, it's the key master and the gatekeeper from ghostbusters, even though they're male and female in that scenario, these two jokers next to each other, shit, that cannot happen. No, I'm all joking aside. I would love that shit to happen. Shout out to my boy, Brett. Shout out to my boy, Chad from the view of the top rope two overview from the top rope. 2.0 met him for the first time it was a big time pleasure another bad influence not nearly as bad as brett but you know he'll stoke the fire from every now and then all in all it was a good time had by all what warrior wrestling was the appetizer i got there about two o'clock and that was a about a six seven match card it stopped right before they were going to open the door for forbidden door so they lost about a good chunk of the crowd for the main event i was thinking to myself you probably should have did this hour earlier then you wouldn't have had this problem but hey neither here nor there so let's talk about the forbidden door event two beer i was there i'll let you bloviate on this first start wherever you want to start brother well, uh, I will say that, first of all, it ruled, and I almost don't want to say surprisingly, but, like, I almost didn't buy this show. Like, I buy mm-hmm. all the pay-per-views. Now, you're waffling on it. Yeah, 50 bucks a lot of money these days, and uh, we just had Double or Nothing last month, you know, so I was like, man, I don't know, and then I'm so glad I did, because, I mean, it was just such a banger show from start to finish super fun um yeah i mean we can kind of run it down but i will i will just say that i think this was a resounding success even with the injuries that plagued it so i can only imagine what the potential is uh whenever you don't have those circumstances so it was a resounding success working with what they had i can't imagine whenever you know shit gets rolling and we really start you know, vibing with this partnership. Uh, it's going to be kind of what we had dreamed of and talked about, you know, years back uh, with this whole Forbidden Door thing, like with the, the possibilities of it. And uh, we got to see it. So, all right, let's shit. Let's just run down the card. We had the, uh, we're not even going to talk about the, the curtain jerkers, the, uh, not the curtain jerkers, but the buy in shows. Fuck Yano. Okay. If that's what you want to hear. No, I did not watch the Yano match. When I got into the fucking arena, first things first, it's merch. Okay. Merch is the most important thing to me. It proves that I was there. Okay. So, yes, <laughs> I skipped the Yano match. I was there for the Acclaim match. I want to see, you know, Max Caster and Anthony Bowens come out do the rap that to me is more important than Yano. so yeah I, I was in the building quote unquote but i didn't watch the match and i still haven't watched the match so like i said it was a good rap too it was I mean, it, that, that's that's what i came to see okay don't get me wrong Yano on american soil i get it brett was marking out because he wanted to get into the sea so he could see yoshihashi all right, bro, you go do your thing. I'm going to go get the merch. So everybody has their own personal preference on what, who they wanted to see, what they wanted to see. But like I said, let's start talking about the Forbidden Door show itself. With the Curtain Jerker, you had the Jericho Appreciation Society versus Eddie Kingston, uh, Will Uter, and Shota uh, Umino. Um, Jericho Appreciation Society, obviously, I shouldn't say obviously, but it was um, Jericho, Sammy Garcia, and uh, Minoru Suzuki. So Minoru Suzuki, obviously the wild card in the bunch. Um, I'll say it like this. One of the big moments, and there is three or four that really, really stick out for me watching this bad boy live, is when 
Eddie and Suzuki got into the ring and you knew shit was going down. Eddie takes his strap off. I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, they're getting ready to kill each other. And 13,000 people literally shut the fuck up so they can hear these two motherfuckers wail on each other. It was one of the more, sur- and I was, Brett was to my left and I tapped Brett. I was like, th- and I whispered to it. <laughs> that's how fucked up I was. I, that's how I did to it. I was like, man, this is the craziest shit ever. 13,000 people are really quiet so they can listen to this shit. He's like, I know, I know this is great. So I mean, that part to me really, really stuck out. Um, watching it on, I guess the, on TV or whatever after the fact. I love the fact that uh, commentary made the connection with Jericho, Red Shoes, and uh, Shoto Umino going back to the fact where Jericho knocked down Red Shoes, beat him down, and then put Shota in the walls of Jericho. So that kind of fast forwards to the Forbidden Door on Sunday where Shota Umino kind of got a receipt back on Jericho. Jericho was doing a lot of putting guys over, at least the the younger talent over uh we were you with some um, German suplexes early and then Shota Umino towards the end with some last minute uh, near falls. End of the day, Jericho's Appreciation Society goes over, wins the match. Thoughts on the curtain jerker to beer, Zach Pullman? Uh, this is my favorite match on the card. Uh, it was great. Uh, I don't know if it was, like, say, technically the best match, but you know, you had your pre-show matches, then to get into the real meat and potatoes, you know, what I paid money for. And this thing was so fun. Uh, absolute star-making performance from Shota Umino. And, of course, like, wouldn't have been able to do it without Jericho. Jericho is definitely a part of that. Uh, really helped put the guy over. His near falls on Jericho were so well done. Uh, but it was so cool to see Shooter just out there the dude's got charisma. He's got personality. He's got the technical ability. Um, you know, when you see these guys as young lions, you're like, I think that guy's got potential. You can tell that they're technically sound, uh, but you don't get to see the personality like shine through just yet. And when they go on the excursions, that's when you start to see that. And then it's, it's like deal or no deal, right? right? You know, whether they really kind of invent themselves and shooter is a star. Um, it was awesome. And, of course, you got the Eddie and Suzuki stuff. So, I mean, this match was just awesome for a variety of reasons. He, Shooter had Chicago in his hand. That literally he, we, we were chanting his name. There wasn't they or we were chanting his name. I was involved in that shit, too. He kind of reminds me physically of, like, a baby Tanahashi. You know what I'm saying? Just the physical look, the, the, the way he wears his hair, the whole nine yards. I'm not sure if this was a star making performance, but if, because I've I've kind of seen Shooter between then and now. He was in the at the Windy City Riot show that was Jer not Jericho's but uh, Jay White's um, open challenge opponent. So I mean, this is literally the second time I'm seeing him in a couple months, and nothing. And I said it then, and, and nothing has changed for me in that aspect. Shooter Umino is going to come back to Japan and it's going to do some damage. I'm not sure in what division it's going to be in, but I can't wait for Shooter Umino to come back and do some damage. Uh, Kingston, um, we'll talk about that on on Dynamite because I don't really want to ruin that just yet. Uh, that's more on the main event. Next up, we had the 
six, not six man, but the triple threat Bill Vegas special for the Ring of Honor and the IWGP tag team titles. Winner takes all. You had the FTR, not the FTR, but FTR versus Rapongi Vice versus the Nine Empire, Great Okan and Jeff Cobb. Okay, so this was obviously the first of a couple of controversies or, you know, what, however you want to call it. Um, we just jumped to the chase. There was a roll-up by Rocky Romero on Dax Harwood, and the referee comes behind to, you know, make the, the count. He's looking at the shoulders, and for me in Chicago, it was a three count. So at that point, as Dax Harwood kicks out, everybody's kind of looking around. I'm looking at Brett to my left. I was like, that was three. And then everybody, you know, it just literally spread in like wildfire. And then the next thing you know, somebody to my left was like, you fucked up. You fucked up. And the whole crowd just jumped onto it. As I went back and looked again the second time around, the referee slaps his hand to the mat but doesn't say one. And then he he slaps it the second time in the crowd's mind. That's a two count, but in his mind he says one. So in his in kayfabe, it was a two count for us in the crowd. I'm not sure why he slapped his hand down, but he did it. It was a three count for us. Did you think it was a pin when you initially saw a two beer Zach Pullman? No, because I was. Uh on TV, but at the same time, I could tell that it was weird because, um, yeah, he, he like slapped the mat as he went down and it was almost like he realized his mistake. Cause he was like yelling. He's like, what? Like almost like making sure that the guys knew too, um, you know, when to kick out or right. whatever. I don't know. It was a little, it was definitely a little weird and it, it took the crowd out for a minute. Um, you could tell even on TV. Second part, and I won't even call it controversy, but it's the work versus shoot portion of the program. Earlier in the match, Dax Hardwood gets a shoulder injury. He rolls out of the ring. Cash comes down to check on him. Dax says, you know, hey, I can't go. And he goes into the back. So, of course, from our point of view, I'm looking down. I'm like, motherfucker, can this fucking car get any goddamn more cursed than this i'm cursing left and right i'm like this is the biggest bunch of bullshit being bred over bitching and moaning and then high five time once again shout out to high five time midwest, midwest roundup report check my boy's shit out he looks down he was like man that's a work dude y'all getting worked he was like, did he? Did they put him back on TV? We were like, yeah, we he was, we saw him on TV going up to the ramp. He was like, yeah, it's a work. He'll be back. Could have been 10 minutes later. Here comes Dak Harwood coming back down the ramp. I'm like, God damn, I just got worked. Did you get worked, Tubier? Um, initially, I was worried uh, because, you know, uh, and I think it's very clever that they did it because everybody has, like, injuries on the brain uh, due to the show. Right. But, uh, you know, I tweeted, I was like, oh man, I was like, I hope Dax is just really good at selling. And then I kind of had an inkling whenever they showed him going up the ramp, um, you know, on TV and stuff, uh, just because that's kind of a classic like trope. Uh, but they did such a good job selling it. Dax and cash is like cash would be in. And he even almost made the match like a little off kilter, like, and he was even like, 
say, I, I heard him say to somebody, he says, uh, he's like, I'm Dash, like really selling it to like the savvy fans that right. he's in there working a match alone. And like, you know, tell, he's like calling spots as Dash, like how they laid it out. It was like super clever. Uh, but then, yeah, like, uh, yeah, he comes back. And uh, yeah, this was a solid match. Uh, it was an expected finish. Uh, I think we all probably picked F. No, actually, we didn't all pick FTR, did we? Uh, we'll have to wait till Bill comes back. But I think he picked Con on the Cobb. I think he did. That sounds right. I was going to say, I know I picked FTR. Yeah. But, uh, and you know that Rapungi Vice is only in there to take the pin. That's just kind of um, politically, that's just like where it is. Um, you know, that's why we had so many multi. Um, like three-way, four-way, or whatever on this on this card. But, uh, yeah, uh, fun match, great work. Uh, all those guys are super talented. And uh, now FTR has uh, three sets of belts. And it is interesting, especially with in New Japan's relationship with CMLL, like Andrade can't be on the show, but right. FTR gets to hold the AAA tag titles right. and the IWGP titles. Um so I don't know. I don't know how that one works, but yeah, they got three belts, and I really think the only thing left to do, I feel like you have to do the Young Bucks versus FTR for all the belts. You just have to. You got to do it all out. Okay, so of course this is the running debate between myself and Two Beer Zach Pullman. Since Bill's not here, you and I can have this little mini discussion. Two Beer always tells me that the Young Bucks are the greatest tag team. Of all time. I humbly disagree. Myself, I say the Road Warriors are the greatest tag team of all time. Now, I'm going to ask you this. FTR is obviously on a roll. They should be on the short list of tag team of the year, a.k.a. the Young Bucks uh, beef award uh, or tag team of the year. If we get this, not even rumored, but... You're taking the pencil on this one, and you're going to have a winner takes all, four belts in the middle, whoever wins walks away with all the gold. Let's just say for the sake of argument, let's say the Young Bucks win that match. Are they the tag team of the year? Um, yeah, I mean, that that's tough. Um, I don't think they should win the match. I think FTR should win the match if they do that uh, because FTR is on such a roll and – It'd be tough because then, you know, you have to you have to give them bonus points for having all those belts. Um, and, of course, they're, they've had great matches and they're going to have great matches. So they probably would lean that way. But right now, FTR is definitely the tag team of the year uh, for my money. So, um, and like you said, they're on a roll. They should really win that match if they do, if they go for all the marbles. Look at you being all adult. I can't even believe that shit happened. All right, next. No, I totally can believe that. FTR is on a roll. I mean, if they if they lose, they would there would have to be some serious fuckery to go on for me to be like, okay, they lost, but they were protected on the way out the door. So we'll see what happens. It would be it's interesting either way because for me, my money, we've seen the Bucks in Japan. We haven't seen FTR in Japan. If we if they can hold the titles long enough for World Tag League. That's all I want at this point. You know, have FTR and World Tag League. Have them come over, to, you know, be in the tournament at the very Might least. Might actually get me to watch World Tag League. <laughs> right. At the very least, you know, have them 
there for, to face the winners of whoever wins World Tag League. Either way, I would be accepting of that. I think maybe a tournament might be too long, but to face the winner is, it, it, to me, is the bare minimum. That's all I fucking ask at this point. Next up, we have the four-way match between Clark Connors, Malachi Black, Pac, and Miro for the All-Atlantic uh, title. Another, for me, kind of stand-up, stand out, a couple of standout moments here. I, I take that back. Um, Miro's fucking over. Okay, maybe not the biggest pop of the night. I'll I'll save that for later on. Obviously, uh, everybody has their opinion. I'll give mine here in a little bit. But Miro is fucking over. They made him look like a million fucking bucks. This is why I didn't think that Miro was going to win because ultimately, it's and it's no knock against the All-Atlantic title. He's just bigger than that at this point. People want to see him against Moxley. People want to see him against CM Punk whenever he comes back. He's just bigger than a, the mid-card of AEW at this point. That was my first takeaway. Second takeaway from this match, Clark Connors got his little love, and it felt like that was kind of the the running theme with guys like Clark Connors, Willer Yuta, Shoulder Umino. When they got a chance to get, get their flowers, they got their flowers. Clark Connors was getting beat down like a little rag doll owing somebody money for a good chunk of this match until he ran Miro through that table. And that was his one real shining moment. Well, I shouldn't say that. His um, He put the finisher on Pac later on afterwards, but obviously Pac kicks out. Pac goes on to win the match. I thought Malachi Black was going to take this motherfucker when he put the mist on Miro. I was like, oh, my prediction's coming in right. Pac takes it in a nice match. Um, thoughts on the, uh, the Fatal 4-Way? Yeah, it was good. Uh, Clark, they did a great job, uh, and Clark Connors himself did a great job of making Clark Connors look good. Like this, there was a there was a, a brief period of time where these fans were like really behind Clark Connors, even though literally everyone knew that he was the one that's going to take the pin or right. or submit. Like that was his role um, in this match. But um, yeah, really well worked. Uh, I mean, my prediction came true. Uh, which, I mean, I think Pack is the right guy, especially if this is a title that you are taking to, like, other companies. Um, say Pack goes over and defends it, um, you know, on some New Japan shows. Uh, great. He goes over to, you know, maybe some UK, um, like, RevPro or something where they don't necessarily have a working relationship now. Uh, but, you know, Pack is wrestled all over the world. So right. he is the, the perfect dude. And... Also, like um, like I said before, I would love this to be like kind of like the high speed title or just like a, a work rate title, like because um, that, that's not what the TNT title is, right? The TNT title is not the the workhorse or the work rate title. Um, it's it's a different kind of championship. Um, you know, if you're gonna have another belt, um, you know, just have it be like on the most sensational workers like to kind of reward that where you know that no matter who this person works with you're gonna have a really good match um so yeah, no, yeah we'll see I, how thought, it goes. I thought it was a really good match um like i said i malachi black teased me for a little bit no but at the end of the day i, I would have just for if they're really talking about making this a a more of a traveling championship like you said where it goes to other countries it goes to other uh promotions 
Pac is a is a good guy for you to have as your representative of AEW. No problem with that at the end of the day. Like I said, I just didn't want to see Miro win it. I don't want to see Miro teasing about the TNT title. You're bigger than that, big dog, man. It's it's time for Moxley or bust. Next up, we had the Bucks and El Fantasmo versus the Dudes with Attitudes, it being Sting, Darby Allen, and one Shingo Dakagi. Um, I found out about Hiromu. About right when I pulled up uh, Sunday afternoon, I found out that he was taken off the card. Hikaleo obviously taken off the the card, but he was in the Bullet Club corner. <sighs> Go ahead, talk about Sting. I'll let you talk about Sting first. First of all, I'm an idiot. I was super stoned last week, and I can't believe I didn't pick these guys to win. I don't know how I can vote against my boys Sting <laughs> and and. Shingo, like no matter what, like how am I, how did I vote against Sting and Shingo, even if the Young Bucks were on the other side? Like I don't know what I was thinking. It was the dumbest move. Um, it's that Young Bucks shit, man. I was getting ready to say it's fucked up your brain from time to time. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, so um, yeah, super fun entrance. Uh, you know, we got like a little throwback to WCW Sting, where Sting music kid <laughs> doesn't come out. And I was like, what's going on? And then like. Um, you know, the Young Bucks music comes out and they all come out and uh, then we get, you know, like uh, a shot to the rafters and all of a sudden there's just a spotlight with the shadow of a man, like Sting's shadow. And it's literally his shadow, like because he's standing on top of the entrance ramp and he jumps onto four dudes and still manages, like they don't catch him. He just jumps onto him and then like bounces off. And slams into the ground. Sixty-three-year-old thing, uh, but he was the focus of this match. Like, um, and I saw a lot of Young Bucks influence in the creation of this match because essentially they were just like, "We're gonna have Shingo do awesome Shingo stuff. He's gonna get the win." But this match is one hundred percent about Sting because Sting was goddamn Superman. And it was so fun, you know, like it's, this is one in one a for like my, my favorite matches. Uh, you know, I said the opener was my, my favorite, but it's really one in one a because this match was so fun. Like they made sting look like a million bucks. He didn't sell a goddamn thing. Uh, he was just Superman. And whenever you're a literal living legend, like sting, it is totally appropriate, especially like in a party match, like vibe like this. Right. Um, the other thing I want to say is I think El Fantasmo and the young bucks should do a lot more together. Agreed. Because, oh, yes. They had amazing chemistry. Yes. Amazing chemistry. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. If there was, if there is a six man, you know, trios title or, you know, if we could drag the bucks, back over to Japan and have them win the never six man title off of fucking house of torture. I would love that shit. That was one of my biggest takeaways from it. Rewatching it here at home is how I saw it then, but I mean, really, you know, reinforced it when I watched it the second time, how the bucks and ELP had such real good chemistry. And I really want them to be a six man somewhere down the line outside of just in this moment. Obviously, Sting is is the story here. You, I, I can't lie. I mean, watching him jump off that, I guess, entrance ramp or whatever the case may be, was it's absolutely ridiculous. Okay, 
I'm, you know, for filling the blank. I'm 50-50 whether I'm jumping off that motherfucker or not. Okay? <laughs> you want me to do what? I mean, I don't know about this, man. You sure you're going to catch me? And then they, shit, they didn't even catch thing. Like you said, he bounced up like nothing happened. I'm like, man, kiss my <laughs> narrow ass. Fuck you. Let me jump off that shit and let me bounce off that motherfucker. Man, I'll be there for the, I'll be still laying there. You know, the match is still going on. You know, the camera's coming up on me. Man, I ain't fucking faking shit. You know, this is straight shoot. I am laying here laid out. Outside of that, I love the fact that Shingo gets the pin. Uh, hopefully, this is one of the... Shingo is one of those guys that if you watch New Japan on the regular, you can at least appreciate Shingo's work. Those that are AEW fans that haven't watched New Japan, Shingo is, uh, is a work-rate guy, and I think he would be somebody that would be able to kind of say, hey, you know, come on over, check me out in the G1 type shit. So the fact that he got the pin I thought was really good. ELP and Shingo, I don't think they're in the same block, but they're in the G1, obviously. So that I think that has some relevancy to it. Let me double check. They are in the same block. So that there you go. It makes it even better. Yeah, with Osprey. So like we're going to get Osprey and Phantasmo and Shingo and in Osprey D- yes. and Shingo and Phantasmo. Oh, in so. the D block. So, yeah, something to uh, to check out there. I know, I know what that D and D block stands for. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, I will say I want I want the like the, you you are part of it so I want to thank you and the um, you know sixteen thousand other people that were there with you for being such a great crowd all night and really also making this show that much more enjoyable. You guys didn't even turn on Sting when he forgot that spot. Did you notice that? <laughs> he just like wanders out of the ring and like Nick Jackson's like no no you gotta go in there Uh, and you can see it right on TV it was so funny like it wasn't like Nick Nick was low but like the camera was right on him and (laughs) then comes out and Nick's like no no No, you gotta gotta go go back back in in. no dude we were so far and and this is not a knock against high five time it's not even like I said I love that man wrestling lord and savior high five time we were just so far up you can only thing you can kind of see was just Sting went out and then he came back in. I didn't trip off the fact that Nick told him to come or Matt told him to come back in until after I watched it here. I'm like, motherfucker, he fucked that up for real. So at that point, you know, it's it was neither here nor there. This was not a match that you know was invested in. This was a match to get everybody on the card. At that point, Sting did what he was supposed to do at that point. Okay. You can take yeah, you can take several plays off. Let Shingo come in here and finish these jokers off. And that's basically how it worked out. It was a fun match. It wasn't like I said, it wasn't a match I came to see, but it always became a fun match and the right guy went over. Bucks and ELP, like I said, <laughs> Make that shit happen, man. We need trios titles stat. Next up, uh, the AEW women's titles match. We had uh, Tony Storm versus Thunder Rosa. Um, if I would say there is a quote-unquote low in the night, this was it. And it wasn't a knock against either or woman. It wasn't a knock against the match itself. I thought the match was good. This just didn't really have the oomph I guess the electricity, whatever word you want to use in the sentence, I'll I'll say it like this. I wasn't really invested in this match like I was in other matches, okay? And it's not a knock against Tony Storm. It's not a knock against 
uh, Thunder Rosa, I love them both. I hope Tony Storm will get the chance to be champion at some point. Thunder Rosa goes over, and a, like I said, a good match, not great. Thoughts on the women's title match? Uh, yeah, it was totally fine. Um, it was a good match, but it was not like at the same level of like the rest of this pay per view. It was, um, it started out pretty good. I really, I really liked it. Um, and I don't, I don't know what it was more. It felt more like a dynamite main event, if that makes sense, uh, than it did like a pay per view uh, level. Uh, and I really like Tony Storm a lot. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it was. Um, I don't know if it was like the way they worked it or uh, I, I just, I liked the beginning of the match, uh, how they did like the, the feeling out, like it was a little more technical. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't like, it seemed the finish came out of nowhere. It was kind of flat. Like, right. So, um, yeah, it, it was more, it was like a TV match, um, but a good TV match. That was my knee jerk reaction when Thunder Rosa pinned uh, Tony Storm. I was like, I looked at Bro. I was like, damn, that's it. And that, and I shouldn't say it like that, but that was my knee jerk reaction. It was just it happened so quick. It felt like there should have been more to the match. It felt like there should have been more to the build. I guess for lack of a better term, don't get me wrong. Okay, I get what. TK was trying to do like a, like me and TK are boys. I get what Tony Khan is trying to do here. He's trying to get the women on the card. Totally get it. I just wish if that was going to be the ultimate plan. And I'm not saying, you know, bring somebody in from stardom. That would be, you know, that would be the dream. But, you know, if there is multiple forbidden doors, I would like to think one would have to be in Japan. That's where you can get the stardom uh, roster involved. But neither here nor there. Um I just say this this felt out of place, I guess. I guess for lack of a better term, it wasn't a good build. And now you put it on the card. It's it was the only match that I can say out of the I guess it's the 11 matches on the card that probably shouldn't have been on the card. Like I I agree with YouTube here. Either this is a dynamite main event two or three weeks down the line or you try to save it for all out in September, which is obviously it feels a long way away, but hell, we're getting ready to creep up on the 4th of July, so it ain't that far away. Either way, like I said, I thought this was a good match. It just wasn't great. It felt like so much happened beforehand. This was your amoose bouche, if you will, for those that are restaurant uh, tours up at this motherfucker. The amoose bouche is to cleanse your palate so you can get ready for the next course. And then the next four matches, I think, were basically from that point on picking back up. So let's pick it back up with my vote for match of the night. Will Ospreay versus Orange Cassidy for the IWGP US Championship. This is where Bill Vagey uh, is going to jump back into the conversation. Last week, uh, Bill Vagey, for lack of a better term, took a nice little dump on this match. Didn't think that Orange Cassidy and Will Ospreay would have good chemistry. Wasn't looking forward to this at all. He would just like to say to myself, Two Beer Zach Pullman, the BFR world who is listening, the global media network, <laughs> the visionary global media network who take care of us. Bill Veggie was wrong. And it's not like this is the first time, but he actually admit the fact that he was wrong on this when I wish he was here to 
bloviate on this more or the fact that I could bring up his actual words to say what he uh, the, the, for you to listen to what exactly he said. E- neither here nor there. Um, like I said, for me, this was the best match of the night. It was. I knew it was going to be silly, but once Orange Cassidy wanted to turn it on, they turned it on, and that's where I thought this match really took off and took took it to another level. Orange Cassidy can do what Will Ospreay can do. That's just not his character, and that's what the great part about it is. Will Ospreay is so pissed off that Orange Cassidy's not taking it seriously. That's what the fun part about it is. But then when he decides to take it seriously, Will Ospreay has some troubles with Orange Cassidy until he finally, you know, knocks him in the next week with the hidden blade and gets the win with Juice Robinson. Looking from afar up at the top, another guy in the D block. I love the fact that they have guys in the G1, just in this scenario for the D block, Shingo, Will Ospreay, Juice Robinson up in the crowd. Um, who else did we say? Um, shit, ELP. Okay, so you have four guys basically in the G1 D block on this card in some form or fashion, but neither here nor there. We'll talk about the G1 later. Two beer. Thoughts? Oh, yeah, great match. This is definitely like match of the night. Like if I'm voting for like best match of the night, it was also uh, the best character work uh it was just everything about it was great will osprey is such a great heel um orange cassidy is such a great face and he's such a great character in general um will can work with anybody and it was awesome uh hands down just super impressive um i don't know if you give it five stars but it's it's pretty close if it's not there so now, it, it it was, like I said, for me to watch Orange Cassidy kind of mirror and almost troll Will Ospreay at the top where Will Ospreay, you know, does the uh, him and Ricochet have that famous, you know, flip um, flip off or whatever, for lack of a better term. And they both, you know, do the same pose or whatever. And they look up at each other. Orange Cassidy's like, nah, man, I ain't doing that. <laughs> you know, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll finish with, you know, you, you and Ricochet looking like this. He's like, kind of like, you know, eh, is that right? You know, that's what the great part about that was the character dynamic between Will Ospreay, who's so fucking serious, who so thinks that it's everybody, it's Will Ospreay versus the world, and the world just, you know, is hating on Will Ospreay versus Orange Cassidy, who just didn't give a shit. You know, I know I can wrestle with you, but if you want to, you know, get serious about this shit, we can. But if you don't, that's cool, too. That, to me, was the great part about it. I had no doubt in my mind that the wrestling part of it was going to take care of itself. How they, I guess, integrated Will Ospreay's character and Orange Cassidy's character was the only thought, I guess, a minor question mark in my mind how they're going to do that. Because, obviously... They, they kind of teased it before, but this really, it really took it to another level as far as I'm concerned. For me, like I said, matching the night, not saying it's a queer match in the night because there are others, and this is another that I thought was really, really good coming up. You had Zach Zabel Jr. versus... Oh, real, real quick. I'm sorry, I, go ahead. I, say I, pop, I popped huge for... Um, the Shibata save. Thank you. Orange, thank you. When Orange put the glasses on Shibata and gave him the thumbs up, and like he stood to the hard cam and did the thumbs up, I died. 
that's where that's the other thing I thought I forgot or I wanted to talk about because I was in the bathroom for this one because I was holding I was holding it for dear life and as soon as the bell rang I darted down the steps to get to the bathroom super super close once again high five time great job on the seats um so me and Brett are in the bathroom we're we're pissing or whatever I had to wait a little bit and I finally get to the stall and I hear Shabbat's music hit and I look over to my left and I see Brett down the end. I'm like, and I, you can, I was, I made sure he could read my lips. I'm like, mother fucker. He's like, bye, and he takes off. I'm like, son of a bitch. I got my dick in my hand with fucking Shabbat coming out. You sons of bitches. So obviously, oh, I, I had my dick in my hand. When he came <laughs> so obviously Shabbat comes out as United Empire comes down to give the boots to Orange Cassidy. Uh, Rapongi Vice tries to make the save, but no dice. And then Shabbat comes out and just handles business. Is this another tease? Are we getting Shibata back? Do you think he's coming back at any point down the line, a year from now, two years from now? What do you think? I don't know because, you know, we saw him. He was going to have an exhibition match, and then he went to business for himself and just had a regular match, and then we never we never saw him again. Right. So um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if they'll, like, uh, lengthen the leash a little bit more or maybe he's getting healthier. Maybe this is just kind of – what he's uh, relegated to because of his injury status uh, and that he can come and get big pops and do saves and stuff like that, but he can't necessarily wrestle matches. Um, it is interesting. Um, so, I mean, he's, he's great. Um, I didn't get to watch much of him. I've gone back and watched some, right. um, but um, he got hurt like kind of right whenever I just kind of started getting into new Japan with a, restaurant dude that I worked with back then so no, I was wasn't. like why are you guys staying up till uh, like I'm like, what are you guys talking about like, uh, like oh yeah we're going New Japan the, the, you speak of yeah they would like all go at, at, like after work they would all go hang out and party you know after we got after we closed the restaurant and then like they would stay up and like watch the shows and I'm like you mean like it's on live like right then they're like yeah and I'm like oh that's wild and then I that's when I started following and I remember my buddy TJ was just like, yo, did you see that Will Ospreay ricochet match? Uh, you know, and like he just wanted to send me the link to that. And um, yeah, so it was a little bit before that. But uh, but yeah. So anyway, uh, for it was cool that Shibata got that pop and the, the recognition in the fans' eyes because um, it's not like he's a current star or has been a star in the past five years, you know. No, for sure. That. <laughs> shit and that's why you know when i heard his music i'm like motherfucker you know this is the one time that you know everything had been going right all day long you know i found a nice parking spot when i got there you didn't have to pay for shit you know i got merch no problem food no problem drink no problem i mean if this was a crap table for forbidden door i'm at the top just rolling seven and eleven it's like bob motherfucker no i'm not coming off this motherfucker until shibata came out i will agree on that shibata the pop for shibata was really intense even in the bathroom where I was just like, you know, damn, you know, that's a nice ass pop. It's one of the the four biggest pops of the night. I don't know what's going to happen to Shibata. I'm with you. You got me into 
New Japan got Bill into New Japan, so I didn't. I haven't seen Shibata. I didn't, I don't even want to watch the match where he got hurt. You know what I'm saying? So at that point, I'm you know I can only go with what people tell me and the the clips I've seen. The boy is bad. Okay, the, like I said, for the clips I've seen, the boy is bad. There's no question about it. I would like to see him come back in some limited capacity, but like Two Beers said, <laughs> we tried to get you this exhibition match, and you just said, fuck it, I'm going to take this car and drive down the street. So we'll see what happens. Fingers crossed Shibata comes back to the ring in some form or fashion within the next year or two. Yeah, Shibata, obviously not good at the uh, just-the-tip game. He's going full <laughs> full penetration. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say we gonna play what? Nah, we ain't playing that game. The other, one just quick side note: uh, Shibata is the leader of the LA Dojo, so Clark Connors being there that was a nice little touch to have Shibata there. For those who watch New Japan Strong, I think that was something to kind of touch on as well. Next up, now we can talk about one Zack Saber Jr. versus and a mystery opponent that Daniel Bryan had picked out before the Forbidden Door. He left us some breadcrumbs obviously we speculated on who it would be bill and tubier obviously got it right with cesaro aka claudio i'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name i went off the grid a little bit going with jonathan gresham claudio castiglione i think i pronounced it right came out and it was arguably the biggest pop of the night even though you knew he was going to come out and, and you know you talk to people you know I talked to Brad, you know, who's, who's going to come out? You know, it's Cesaro, it's Cesaro, it's Cesaro, it's Cesaro. So as we're walking up, I'm kind of more and more, you know, resigning to myself. And I'm not, and that's a poor choice of words, but I'm just basically saying, okay, it's going to be Cesaro, no big deal. When he came out, it was, it was a rock star moment, I guess for lack of a better term. Like I said, Bill Vegas thinks this is the biggest pop of the night, and he, he has a great argument for it. When he came out, he milked it. They let him milk it. You know, he got to take his flowers immediately, like the uh, Matador coming into the arena, getting ready to get the bull. He ain't even done shit yet. You know, you throwing flowers at this motherfucker. Um, I thought it was a really good moment. I personally like Cesaro from WWE. I never thought he got his just desserts in WWE. So to get, see him get this moment was a good start. The match itself, I mean, I'm not sure what more you could. If it wasn't for Will Ospreay and uh, Orange Cassidy coming before this, this would have been my match of the night. That or the uh, the Fatal 4-Way. Thoughts on Ospreay versus Cesaro slash Audio Castiglione. Damn, am I saying that right? Is that twice? Uh, you called Zack Saber Osprey, but other, otherwise, you okay, we can see. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> um, no, this was super fun. Uh, I the pop was amazing uh, on the TV. It was, I mean, same building as CM Punk's debut, right. and you're not going to match that pop because that's that's the biggest pop I've ever heard, ever seen. Yeah, that was stupid. Um, and I wasn't there for live for either one, but uh, it seemed like on TV, it seemed like uh, the pop of the night, very long extended pop too, like long extended uh, cheers. And um, it was cool. Even Becky Lynch and uh, uh, some other WWE people tweeted. Becky actually tweeted a picture of the show. Like she was like, or whatever. Yeah. Like she had screenshot 
uh, you know, a picture. Like, so she was like legit watching. So that was cool. Um, nice to see that crossover. But uh, yeah, the match was really good, honestly. Um, and this is not uh, a, a knock. It's just it, it is interesting because we all kind of think of Claudio as like this amazing technical wrestler, and he is super strong. They did not have a technical wrestling match. At all. Um, <laughs> at all. In fact, they, they kind of had like a more physical um, New Japan but, style like, match. really good I, I, I was almost going to say like a WWE match. Like a really good WWE match. Um, you know, uh, but yeah, like also New Japan, it was like almost like a main event style match, but mm-hmm. it was it was really good, but it was not technical. <laughs> Tech At Saber all. had like a a promo afterwards. And he's like, <laughs> I was going to bring that up. Go ahead. Yeah, he's like, it's supposed to be a technical wrestling match. I don't know if you got the memo, you know, like, <laughs> just like, it was essentially Claudio doing a bunch of power moves and Zach, you know, trying to counter him and getting oh, overpowered shit. and Claudio hitting him really hard. Um, oh, I did love that Claudio sold that arm so well that he couldn't uh, do the to swing. The point that he couldn't do the swing because we didn't know it but we were going to get the swing later. Right. But I was like, oh, man, he didn't do the swing. I'm like, that's like, it's so good. You know, it's like, if you're on your debut, I'm like, you got to do the swing. Uh, but we got it later. Uh, but, yeah, he did a, he did a great job. Uh, it was a great debut. It is a little tricky because, you know, you don't want to beat a guy on a debut, but you also, the Zack Sabre didn't necessarily, even though I picked him to lose, uh, you don't necessarily want to beat the guy that you're building a match for because we still haven't got Daniel Bryan, Zack Sabre, but I don't think really anybody cares about win loss records when it comes to like those kind of dream matchups of right. like a style matchup. Right. So it was fine. Uh, but yeah, the match was really good. Um, it was just different than I expected and it is different in a good way. No, it, and di- it, made, it made it so that every match on the card had a different, vibe which yes. is exactly what you want yes that was the word i was getting ready to say vibe feel to it and that and that's where brett and i said after the fact that it, no one match was the same it felt like every match had something different to it whether it was chaos in the sense of the fatal four-way you had comedy with yano in the buy-in and then bucks and the elp on the back end there was a lot of things that people could have taken away from this and, you know, had something to say positive about it. Um, I'm not mad about cardio winning. I think you have, you have to have him win because it sets up obviously blood and guts for Wednesday night. Obviously we're talking about that here in a little bit. I agree with uh, two beer on the Zack Sabre junior portion of the program. When we get Zack Sabre Jr. and Daniel Bryan, whether it's at G1, whether it's in New Japan Cup, or whether it's at Forbidden Door 3 in 2024, where we're talking about going, that's the, that's the next goal before I die. Is the, We're going to Japan, and Japan's going to have that Forbidden Door. That's the show I'm going to. That's next on the bucket list. Now, that being said, if you have it there, I just want it to happen. It doesn't matter who's going, who wins or loses up to that point. We just want to see that match. And especially now, if Forbidden Door is the success that Tony Khan says it is, I thought it was. I thought, like I said, I thought it was absolutely amazing just being there. 
if you do it a second time here and then the third time in Japan, I think you you can build that momentum to where you could be doing this more often. This could be the the interpromotional WrestleMania, neither here nor there. We're getting off track. Next up uh, for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, you had another Fatal 4-Way match with Adam Cole, Bebe versus Hangman Adam Page versus Okada versus one Jay White as coming in as the champion. Now, I'll say this. I've seen Okada plenty of times on TV. Plenty. Three, four in the morning, you know, struggling to stay awake, you know. I got his theme music on my Spotify, you know, playlist. I get a little excited, you know, kind of bounce around, you know. Even though Naito was my boy, I bounce around when I hear Okada's shit. Man, when that coin dropped... I, I was like a little kid. I was like, oh, it, it was literally watching the greatest rock star. You, you know, whoever it is, walk out and the crowd lost their goddamn minds. You could see Okada kind of feeding from the crowd because this is probably the first time he's had a live crowd to deal with in a hot minute. As soon as he came out, it was, you know, you hear the coin and you hear that. Ah. So the crowd was already hyped. When he came out, it went up another level. And I'm not saying that it was bigger, bigger than. Actually, I'm going to say it. For me personally, my money, Okada was the biggest pop of the night, and it ain't even close. Cardio's was longer, so I understand why people will say that. Totally get it. Totally get it. This is Okada on U.S. soil. And this is the first time, and probably maybe the last, maybe the last time I'll see him. God forbid he doesn't come back over or something happens to be beforehand. This motherfucker was that deep. I've watched it five times here just to really see if I'm tripping or not. For me, I ain't tripping. For my money, that was the biggest pop of the night, and it's not even close because literally we are looking at arguably the greatest wrestler on the planet right now coming down to the ring okay now let's talk about the match itself obviously we had the second controversy of the nights where jay white gets the quick pin on adam cole baby um there's speculation of what happened to this whether adam cole got hurt when he got hurt I'll let you talk about, you know, the Okada pop if you want, and then you can talk about the match. Oh, yeah, no. um, I would love to be in a building with Okada coming out. He is just amazing. Um, You know, we talk about this person, that person, uh, you know, being the best at at any given moment. And, uh, I mean, Okada's, like, in the running not only for uh, best right now, he's in the running for, like, greatest of all time. He's just that good. And he's he's not old. Um, he's not like super young, but he's not old at all either. He's in his prime, and uh, yeah, uh, would love to see him live one day. So bucket list for me. Also going to Japan. I, I want to be in the Tokyo Dome on January fourth, um, or do a, a G one final. Um, <laughs> that's like those are my my bucket list. I'd take either one. Uh, uh, either that. I mean, I'd be happy just going to Corrigan Hall. Yeah, and right. I'm, I'm I'm jealous that you guys got to Kaze Ninare your asses off. Like, you have to do that twice this month. 
Dude, this, this year. I'm, I'm, I'm a lucky motherfucker. I ain't going to lie. So, uh, but anyway, um, yeah, I mean, the, uh, the, the, the reports are that Adam Cole suffered a concussion in the match, which, um, you know, I rewatched it. I watched the match twice and the finish came out of nowhere. It was surprising. And JR even called it anticlimactic on right. commentary, which is kind of fucked up. Yeah. But, um, he, uh, yeah. And, you know, he was doing stuff. Uh, so it, it's kind of hard. There was no moment where you're like, Ooh, that's where it was. It was just, right. um, you know, so the match itself, was really just starting to get good. Mm-hmm. So we can't really say anything and you can't say anything bad because it was an injury and they did the right thing by going home and, and props to Jay White right. for recognizing what was going on. Was and it looked like he that. like even held Cole, Cole down. down. Cole tried to kick out. And, you know, then you can see Cole just, he, he, you know, then Jay White immediately starts talking to the ref. And I saw Cole, Adam Cole, say, I'm sorry. And, uh, yeah, so they did the right thing. And Jay White's such a pro, just played it off in kayfabe, like, the whole time. Right. Just, like, w- walks to the back just like he would. Um, sneaking you know, out, and, sneaking uh, out another win or whatever, a win you, you know he ain't supposed to be getting. But, you know, circumstances present themselves. He's going to take the pin and dip. Yeah. Yep, and, he, yeah, he's not he's not going to gloat. He's going to just take his, take his belt take his payday and, and get, get out of there it. before Okada beats him up. Right. <laughs> it's what it, it's what I would normally su- suspect from uh from Jay White. I I'm, I'm not going to go anti-climatic, but I agree with what you said. It it was just really feeling like it was sp- starting to get good. I don't know if that was going to be the the close of the match where the first time uh, Adam Cole, baby, ducks the uh, the Rainmaker, and then the second time I would assume he was going to duck it. I'm not sure if that was going to be the finish of the match, but I agree with you. Kudos to Jay White to re- for recognizing the fact that something wasn't right. Obviously, in you know, in the stands, we knew something wasn't right. We just didn't know, you know, what was going on. So at that point, first and foremost, you know. Hopefully Adam Cole, baby, gets back, gets back healthy because that's that's obviously the number one thing. The number two thing to me, I don't care how this match ended. The fact that I got to see these four guys in a match live with these two eyes, that's all I can even worry myself about. You know, would I love to see a clean finish? Of course. Of course. That would have been the fucking scenario of scenarios. But this is wrestling. The sad part about it is guys do get hurt. Unfortunately, Adam Cole got hurt. Jay White retains. It kind of is what it is. So, you know. Yeah, and the other thing I will say about the match, it was just starting to get good because they were all starting to interact. Mm -hmm. Most of the match was like two singles matches kind of happening at the same time. Right. And um, I think, you know, if you put any two of these guys in just a a straight-up match, it would have been better. Um, any combination of them, because they're all phenomenal. Uh, I am also thrilled that you know we got the dynamic of the four way. But I feel like it just had to. It, it had to be that way for political reasons more than it had to be that way for any kind of actual storytelling or match quality reasons. So this kind of ended up um, being that way. But uh, I would love to see you know with a forbidden door open. I want to see Hangman wrestling those guys. I want to see Cole wrestling those guys because uh, they're all phenomenal at what they do. Yeah, it was just 
what it's a great what if it's a great what if if if, what if adam cole stays healthy through this match what actually happens there's people that say adam cole is going to win this match i think that's a long shot but we don't know so neither here nor there (laughs) people say adam cole like uh I, I need them to uh, like give me the number to their plug because <laughs> yeah. I mean I got really good stuff out here like uh, medicinal and recreational in Oregon. It's great in Portland, but uh, whatever it is is not even close to what they're smoking. So. I, did, I didn't get it either, but I like I saw it on Twitter. I was just kind of like, yeah, all right, let's take it with, with uh, two grains of salt. Last up, we have the main event for the AEW Interim Heavyweight Championship. Tanahashi, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus one John Moxley. I was wondering how fans were going to, I guess, treat Tanahashi, react to Tanahashi or whatever. They rooted for him over John Moxley. I know. I was like, this is the John Moxley is choking this dude out, and Chicago lost a goddamn mind. I was like, what the (laughs) fuck is going on? That is how great Tanahashi is. Like, you take John Moxley, who is one of the most vibrant baby faces of a generation. Just an absolute. He carried AEW through the pandemic. Yeah, and then went to rehab and came back an even bigger star and an even bigger baby face. And Hiroshi Tanahashi still gets cheered over him in his home country. I'm like, like this is the crazy. I looked at Brown, I was like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. This shit is crazy. It is just, that's how good Tanahashi is, man. Like, he, like, you know, we just talking about Okada, and they're, you know, generational rivals. Obviously, Tanahashi's a little bit older, and, you know, Okada is the guy that kind of took over, like, Tanahashi's position. But, like, you know, whenever you got a whole, like, crowd, uh, you know, screaming, go ace. Dude. And, uh, yeah. So cool. And I, I just got to say, like, every time kind of how she does that high fly flow from the top to the outside. You know it's a big match. You know it's important. And yeah. also, every time you see that move, it is possible that it is the last time you will see that move. It was not the best high fly flow off the top on the outside from John Moxley. I was just, I was kind of holding my breath. I'm like, come on, Ace. Come on, Ace. Just, just pull this off one more time, man. I love you for it, but just be safe. It wasn't the greatest, but it got the job done. I, that was my biggest takeaway from the match, that Chicago kind of turned on John Moxley. I mean, let's just call it for what it is. They straight up booed when he was getting ready to choke Tanahashi. I was like, damn, what the fuck is this? John Moxley wins the uh, AEW Interim Championship. And then the one big, I guess, negative from this whole experience. God love you, TK. You just can't let shit breathe. You just can't. Jericho, Sammy, Jericho Appreciation Society comes down, jumps Moxley, jumps Tanahashi. I'm sorry. You just can't. Moxley just won the title. Damn, man. He can't get a victory lap. I know you got blood yeah. and guts on weekend. I know you got blood and guts on Wednesday. I know. I get it. Some guy was like, oh, you know, they got a bill for blood and guts. Damn, man. They just gave you cardio. If that ain't a big enough, if that ain't enough, I don't know what more you got to do. Come on, man. Shit. Let yeah, John Moxley get his fucking victory lap. Let Tanahashi get some love from the U.S. fans and close the fucking show. That's it. 
Yeah, it is funny because um, I didn't get a chance to see Blood and Guts, as we'll talk about, but I did, you know, <laughs> read it, read about it. And after Blood and Guts, they gave him like three or four minutes, you know, to like celebrate, which is like not something that Moxley got the night before. Dude, and I don't know if it's because no, go ahead. Go I don't ahead. know if it's I don't know if it's because you know TK spent so much time, you know building the forbidden door even though it wasn't like didn't have a great build because of the injuries and stuff that he felt that he hadn't built this large show enough and um needed to do this but it's also something that happens a lot um and i mean bill talks about it all the time it's, it's bill's biggest pet peeve with aew is right. like every show ends with a smaz and then you got forbidden door which is like an interpromotional thing and then it ends in a smaz just like basically promoting next week's AEW TV. Right. You know what I mean? Oh my god damn. Uh, dude, come on. Yeah. I get it, but just <laughs> That is not that is not some shit that you would see in New Japan. Uh, but it is some shit that you would see in AEW. Um but yeah, it it felt like the ending to a, a dynamite or whatever. Not, a little bit. Yeah. And then Claudio came out and that was cool. I'm sure it was cool for the crowd. We got the big swing and all that. But yeah. uh but yeah, I would say that that was the biggest negative of the whole show. I did love seeing Kingston and Claudio's like interaction, interaction like Kingston yeah. gets out and like Moxley's just like Jesus Christ come you on know? dude you like, killer me we getting ready to go to yeah. war on Wednesday you can't act right <laughs> and he, it, like Moxley like it's funny because like I I have friends like this where um you know friends like that I've just been friends with like forever and like you go somewhere and like they just like act a fool and you're just like I can't take you anywhere, anywhere. like I, I don't even know why down yeah, exactly. And, and Moxley's just like, Jesus Christ. Like, cause I'm, he's just like, it's like so typical of Eddie Kingston to just get in a fight with somebody. So he's just like, I loved it. He spit at him. He spit right. at him. <laughs> I'm like, dude, come on. He's trying to pound you up. He just like, stop that. I'm just like, dude, come on, Tupac. Chill out, okay? Chill the fuck <laughs> out. Y'all gonna have to fight here in, in, in 72 hours, man. You, you just know this is not the way to go. Give it a letter grade to beer. Oh, for the show? Yeah. Uh, I think it was an A show. I agree. I was going to say A minus, but I mean, the punk. Uh, I can't the, have that. Yeah, I can't have that ending. I, I wouldn't give it like a whole letter. Like, uh, I wouldn't give it like a, a plus or minus. Um, you know, I wouldn't change that because of the, the last two minutes or whatever. You know what I mean? No, I was going to say that. That obviously was my biggest takeaway, the biggest negative, like I said. Um, The what if with the IWGP championship, you know, it's it kind of it just feels like it's out there. That's why I was going to say, you know, a minus. But, you know, as we talked about it, you know, I see me getting excited again. So, yeah, this is the this is an a show. It's probably my clubhouse leader, for lack of a better term, for the uh show of the year for the beefers coming up um crowd was hot matches were good you know things made sense you know ftr winning is the the biggest thing that makes sense as we kind of walk forward on you know multiple different uh promotions but yeah I i would be very hard pressed to see even aew come up with a better show than this because it's just it's too many guys it's too much talent AEW will can tell great stories, and obviously we have all out coming out here in a little bit, so we'll see what happens. But as I said, like for me, 
I was going to say A minus. Shit. We'll give it the bell curve. It gets the A this week. Now let's get to our two count. Two beer. What's the fallout from Forbidden Door? Oh, yeah. So we had uh, EW Dynamite. And uh, I got to watch uh, most of the show. Actually, no, I got to watch like not even half of it. Uh, I got to watch most of the show except for uh, Blood and Guts, which uh, took up a big chunk. And I will be watching it like literally as soon as I get off um, this podcast. I've just been like so busy with work that I, I literally didn't have the time. It was not a situation where... I guess I could have like stayed up, but like uh, I was a little banged up last night. And I just <laughs> couldn't keep my eyes, couldn't keep my eyes open. So I was about to say, tell the truth, you was fucked up, right? Yeah, I watched. Uh, I watched almost half of it, and I'm like, oh, I really want to see this. But I also really wanted to like watch it, right? So, you know that you know that thing where it's just like, yeah, I could watch this, but then I'm just gonna want to rewatch it, because, right? Because uh, I'm not paying really not actually... good attention to it. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it opened up with. Um, Orange Cassidy versus Ethan Page, which is, uh, you know, an obvious kind of, uh, like, definitely obvious, like, babyface heel situation and obvious who's going to win. Um, but they had a really fun match. And, you know, come out, uh, Chucky e. T's on TV again. Right. So that's cool. Uh, and him and Trent come out, like, Best way I can describe it is like dressed like modern day young bucks. It's like <laughs> <laughs> super ridiculous. Yeah, that, I, that, that, that tie dye was just a little much for me. I was like, Jesus Christ, turn down the fucking volume. Fuck. But uh, yeah, Dan Lambert says uh, they need a manager's license to be at ringside, which I thought was just amazing heel kayfabe stuff. Right, just right. really, really good stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, they had a, a really good match. And I want to say. It was very memorable uh, because it is the first time in, I don't know, maybe ever that I've seen someone pinned with a body slam. <laughs> he takes two orange punches and then <laughs> Orange Cassidy just body slams him after two orange punches. And, and so there's some outside yeah. interference and stuff. Um, but there was just really fun spots in this match, you know, besides like the Lambert on the outside. Uh, you know, anytime Cassidy hits that stun dog millionaire is good. And, and Ethan Page was doing a really good job beforehand of milking the crowd so that that spot hit even better. Right. And, um, you know, Page had the razor's edge and, and <laughs> Orange is trying to block it by putting his hands in his pocket. So right. It's so good. So, I mean, I can see somebody who might uh, be like, oh, like, Ethan Page is, you know, more talented than just like, you know, jobbing out in the opener to a body slam, but it's like, it's orange Cassidy, man. Like that's what orange Cassidy has a certain level of like, PK obviously loves this dude. And like, you just ain't going over him and it ain't, it ain't hurting you. It's super fun. It's memorable. Like people aren't going to think you're less of a wrestler, uh, because you lost to, to orange Cassidy, even though his gimmick is sloth. Like, uh, he's just, he's just, a, he's a big star. And uh, you can do worse than losing to one of the biggest stars in the company. Now, I, I thought that he, obviously, I thought he was going to win, too. I agree with that, um, especially coming off the momentum of the Forbidden Doors show with him and uh, Will Ospreay having that match. 
I thought this was, you know, the time for him to go over. Part of me was kind of, I guess, I was, I'll use worried in quotations about Ethan Page. It's not even, you know, he's he is a great talent, but I think this is what I've always kind of said before. Now with Claudio coming in, somebody else is going to be, you know, looking for their turn. Claudio's going to get his. You know, I'll kind of worry about, you know, guys like Ethan Page getting theirs, you know, ultimately. But focused on the match itself, the match was good. You know, it was entertaining. It, I hate the fact that I I like Orange Cassidy as much as I do, but I do. Guilty as charged. The fact that he was trying to put his hands in his pockets to, to, to stop, you know, the, the Ethan Page finisher. I was like, that doesn't even make fucking sense. I'm just, you know, I'm sitting there watching this shit shaking my head. I'm like, this doesn't even make sense. And I'm giggling as it's going on. I want to see something else happen with, I guess, the men of the year, whether they break up or... Dan Lambert does something. It feels like we need to, to shake that up a little bit, maybe freshen up Ethan Page. The match itself is good. I just want to see something more for Ethan Page. But it's like you said, it's no knock for him losing against Orange Cassidy. Sure. Uh, then we had Christian Cage come out. Uh, <laughs> and if you thought that he couldn't have topped uh, last week's heat, oh, boy. Uh, I'll double down. He doubled down. Uh, I love this. Not because of the cheap heat, uh, although I thought it was – it was good because he basically just said, like, ah, I want to apologize, um, you know, for what I said, especially, you know, about Jungle Boy's dad, you know, because he's dead. He's like, but really, he's like, you should wish that your whole family was dead. Like, oh, so they shit. didn't have to see you embarrass yourself. Uh, and maybe everybody except your mom, she can give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he didn't even say give me the call. He's like, you know, give me the, he, he didn't either call me, you know, the signal or whatever. He's like, hey, call me, girl. I was like, man, this motherfucker lost his goddamn mind. So good, but then we get uh, heel Luchasaurus, which is awesome. He's got a new theme. He's he, he's basically uh, Luchacanosaurus, right? Fire and brimstone, and uh, I mean, he's so much bigger than um, the majority of the roster. It's kind of weird uh, that he was a baby face, like anyway. Um, this is cool. I, I'm I'm here for it. I don't know what you think, but he squashes Serpentico, and uh, it was good. I was going to say. But- Anytime you have a, a heel turn, face turn, a couple of things I look for is, you know, like, you know, we need to have a change of wardrobe and a change of entrance music. And they, they gave you both. This was a, you know, an all black Luchasaurus. The mask was different. Obviously, his interest was different. Um, the only thing I could guess I would want to say that I would like to have seen was to have luchasaurus you know kind of fight it a little more you know don't you know not the next week go to the dark side but like two or three weeks down the line you see him flip over to the dark side if jungle boy is is out seriously you know in you know non-kayfabe then okay i get why you you do it now because you don't have jungle boy to you know help with that you know eventual heel turn flipping him right now is not the end of the world like you said after they did everything that they needed to do. He came out and squashed Ser- Serpentico. Christian Cage trolls everybody like he did before. I asked it to uh, Brett from Brainbuster Boys. I'll ask you: Are you missing MJF? Uh, yeah, I think everybody is, especially with the injuries. Uh, MJF carries a lot of star power. He car- he's an entertaining TV segment. Uh, everything's been very busy lately, so it's kind of fine that he wasn't on the show. He also wouldn't have a 
place on the Forbidden Door card, I don't think, either. Um, that's not his MO. Not a work great guy. Nobody's, like, really, like, matching up uh, him wrestling people. Um, you know, I think him and, like, Jay White would be good because of the promos. Right. Um, or him, him and Zack Sabre even would be good uh, because of the promos. And the, the ring worked for both. But I think now post-Forbidden Door, I think we're missing MJF. Now, Blood and Guts, different story. Half the match is relegated to the spectacle of, of violence. Um, so we're still not missing him yet. Uh, I don't know the situation. I don't know. You know, obviously, I think we're in, we're in work shoot. Uh, so there is, you know, some degree of, um, you know, working here uh, as far as, I, I, I don't know when you bring him back, but with the injuries, I feel like maybe you bring him back sooner than you would have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I think he'd be um, a great challenger to Moxley, and I think it would be, like, obviously, I think the, the end game is for him to take it off Punk. Right. But if, you know, I don't know I don't know how much hot shot you want to do, but if it's interim, you know, whatever. It, it's just something to think about. Um, but I, I, what do you think? I, I, I miss MJF. I said that, honestly, I give, and don't get me wrong, you know, you can't, you don't want to have a talent like MJF on the sidelines if you don't absolutely have to. I think his, the impact, and this is just my opinion, I think the impact that MJF that thought he might have was kind of minimized by Christian kind of, you know, picking up the mantle, especially on the the promo side, and Christian stole his gimmick while getting paid with him, Jeff. Once, I mean, <laughs> kind of, yeah. You know, he was just like, okay, you don't think that you know other people can do what you do? Hold my beer. And he's picked up the the mic and in back to back weeks have had some promos where I'm like, okay, you know, where's Jungle Boy at? Because you you over here getting talked about, you know, Christian over here talking about your mama. Okay, <laughs> you know, you gonna come over here and talk about this? You gonna handle this shit? That's that's what MJF kind of is to me. He or at least to other fans, he inv- inv- invokes an emotion. Okay, for me, it's a funny emotion. I love heels, so I, I like to see him troll motherfuckers. I like to see him, you know, fuck with motherfuckers. For the motherfuckers, you can't stand MJF. So you want to see him get beat. You want to see him, you know, take the fall, get his comeuppance. I get it. I really do. Do I want him around? Of course I do. He's an amazing talent. Do I miss him? Not as much as I thought, at least not yet. No, I think you're right. I mean, I say I miss him, but I'm not like yearning or anything. Yeah, I'm not clamoring um, for him to come back. I'm, you know, yeah. the show is going on with, like we said last week, with five of their best stars either gone from injury or in the, the case of Cody Rhodes, he left to go to WWE. It just goes to show that uh, even in show business, just like in your day to day shit job that you have, just like we all do. We're all replaceable. Mm-hmm. Preach, brother. What's next? All right. Uh, what do we got? Sorry. got to open up my online my phone. Oh, yes. We had uh, Max Caster and the Gun Club versus <laughs> FTR Housen. This was surprisingly fun. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah. Um, you know, we got Max Caster and the Gun Club, and uh, they had challenged Dan Housen because of the shenanigans on the pre-show. 
uh, that we didn't talk about. Uh, but um, yeah, obviously they're feuding, and they said, you know, find a partner or partners, and he's like, yeah, well, uh, Dan Housen uh, found some people who uh, are, he thinks are pretty good at wrestling, and it's FTR, like just the most perfect. Thing. <laughs> Anthony Bowen's face is fucking amazing when FTR is coming out. He's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> Finds literally the most decorated tag team in the world right, right now. Right. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, they had a fun match, but the the real story is. Um, you know, a lot of heat on Dan Housen and then FTR getting the hot tag, as you would expect. Uh, but uh, Anthony Bowens uh, gets out of his wheelchair, so he walks. Um, I don't know how, if he's, like, cleared or if that was just, like, but, I mean, he was, like, working, like, uh, he, he got pulled out of the ring by his leg. Right, his that's leg. what I was getting ready to so, say. I think he should be okay. Yeah, uh, but this match was really fun. I mean, there were some stereo German suplexes that were really fun. Uh, besides the Danhausen heat, but uh, you know Danhausen and FTR go over and uh, look. Billy gets mad afterwards, right? Uh, and shoves his kids and kind of acts like he's siding with the acclaimed, um, which is kind of fun story because the whole point of like uh, this this association is really that Billy Gunn is a fan of the acclaimed um, over his so kids. he really likes them over his kids, yeah. So. Uh, but I think you can go a lot of ways. I was thinking about this. I'm like, oh, it seems kind of cheesy, but it could be like, you know, a way for the acclaimed to feud with the, the ass boys because the acclaimed are essentially baby faces at this point. And then maybe Billy can turn on the acclaimed, you know, like I was never really with you all along. Why would I go against my own kids? And maybe this feud kind of helps elevate elevate the, uh, the ass boys because I think um, even with a name like the ass boys, <laughs> You know, these guys are not stars now, but, like, they're, like, young up-and-comers. Like, they're not as um, dynamic as, say, like, a private party or a top flight. Uh, but they're young guys that I think could be solid workers in five years, you know? I would almost argue that the – I was going to call them ass boys, but I'll just keep that theme going because I'm not a huge fan of the gun club in general. But we'll just leave that there. Uh I would almost argue that the ass boys would be the baby faces in here. You know, dad pushed you down. Okay. Mac or Anthony Bowens was the guy that came in and cost you the match. The, a natu- oh, totally. It seems very heel ish, but right. maybe, maybe their heels would just get cheered like crazy. It just, they're going to keep getting cheered. I feel like um, with Max Caster's rap and Bowens charisma and his, his talent and ring, I, I really think that they're just going to keep getting cheered. Okay, fair enough. That's but but you're right. You're right. In the psychology aspect, you're 100% right. At, at least be. to me, that's where I was, I was like, okay, you know, the ass boys get ready to turn a baby face. You know, this should be interesting. <laughs> Either yeah, way, exactly. it, it's one of those storylines that is it's like a mid-card storyline. It's there to keep me entertained. I would be lying if I said I wasn't going, I'm not a little curious to see what happens. I'm not sure if, you know, Billy Gunn turns on the acclaim, but you, ter- you put it out there, it at least, you know, makes sense in the you know the kayfabe world of what's going on around here if you want to do a little kayfabe style kayfabe style that being <laughs> said i'm you know i'll be lying if i said i wasn't interested to see what happens all right so next we had uh jade cargill versus layla gray and this is actually where i stopped um 
watching, and I don't think uh, I or anybody else need needed to watch. I, I didn't get to see it, but uh, you can imagine what happened here. I don't I don't know how the match was. What do you think? Well, I was going to say it. I was with you on this. You know, I've heard of Layla Gray. But the, I've never actually seen one of her matches, and this is one of those times where I was thinking to myself, you know, I wish I would seen a Michael Gray match that, you know, she felt like, you know, she was going to win the match or this was going to be a nice competitive back-and-forth match, you know, to get a better read on this because, you know, it's it's Jade. She's 33-0 and 0 coming in. You know how the story's going to end, and it ended the way you thought it was going to. You know, Michael Gray got a little offense in, but not, not a lot. So post-match, uh, Stokely Hathaway gets ready to cut a promo and then Jay snatches the mic from him. She's like, you know, I need some real competition. You know, this ain't shit. I'm, you know, I had an open challenge out here and, you know, this is what, you know, the best that you guys got. Stokely, you know, basically doubled downs on that and was like, you know, this was an open challenge and, you know, some unknown woman named Layla Gray beat, you know, the AEW locker room, you know, to the point, you know, basically called, he called out uh, Chris Statlander and Athena, you know, called him lazy 30 seconds later, they're coming down to the ring to attack um, Kiara Hogan and Jade Cargill. I was thinking to myself, you know, before this even happened, I was like, you know, Layla Gray, you know, has kind of like a, you know, she feels like a baddie. You know, I'm not sure how this could happen, but she feels like a baddie. So as the fight progresses, you see Layla Gray on the outside kind of uh, making eye contact with Stokely Hathaway. He's like, you know, basically, you know, this is your chance to make things, you know, get on the good side of Jade. Athena's getting ready to hit her finisher off the top. Uh, Layla Gray grabs her foot. The uh, heels take over and basically beat down the baby faces to end the segment. Layla Gray, you know, kind of looking for a little love from Stokely Hathaway. Jade gets in the middle between the two, kind of pushes them away and uh, bounces with Kiara Hogan. So that closed the segment. Like I said, for me, the match wasn't even the issue. It was more so now if Red Velvet is going to be gone and gone for an extended period of time, you might need a second baddie. Lego Grave felt like, to me, just the physical look of herself, because obviously we didn't see a lot of her in the match. She felt like somebody that could be a baddie. Now, whether Jay wants to, you know, give her her chance, her just do, we'll see what happens. But for me, it was two parts. One, you have a, a replacement baddie for Red Velvet. And then two, we kind of did a little storyline progression with Athena, Chris Statlander, and uh, Jay Cargill. I guess at some point between Chris Statlander and Athena, they're going to have to figure out who's going to face Jay Cargill. If you had the pencil, who do you want to face Jay Cargill next? Did Statlander have a match with her? Or did she have a match for the other belt? That was the other belt, right? Chris Statlander, I believe. Had... The last pay-per-view, didn't she wrestle Thunder Rosa? Is that it? Feels right. I think I, I don't know. I, I think I'm almost want to say that she's wrestled for both titles. Gotcha. Um, don't quote me on that. I mean, I think I think uh, they're both compelling matchups. Really, I, I feel like maybe it depends on your plans for the title. Um, I don't think Jade's losing it anytime. Um, 
I don't know what their plans for Athena are. I feel like Chris Batlander, um, she was kind of like on a roll where they were like heating her up. And I don't know. She doesn't have like a ton of personality for like speaking. I don't know if I see her as a champion, but she's like right now she needs like some, some kind of character work and promo work, but she is a great challenger because she's a good worker and she's got a lot of size and she's an impressive worker. So I think I'd rather see that match, um, especially like with Jade, because they're both big women in a different way than that sounds. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but Athena, um, I mean, Athena's got all of it, right? She's like a total package like situation. So um, she should be in a title picture like for sure. But I feel like almost she's more wrestling for the AW women's title instead of this TBS title. Okay. Uh, let me... Then say... Okay. Uh, Chris Stanglander wrestled for the, the women's title against Britt Baker. She hasn't, Britt Baker, okay. She hasn't wrestled for the TBS title against Jay Cargill. So, I feel like... I mean, Jay's doing a great job with the TBS title. She's like this monster... And I mean, she is a star too, um, but it still seems like a secondary belt, obviously, uh, to the to the world women's title. So, I, I, I would I would just split it up and Statlander challenge for TBS and Athena can you know her Ruby Soho, um, those are the gals that should be wrestling for Thunder Rosa, you know. And you know if we can get like Riho back um, with the borders opening up, um, she's a great contender too. Okay, I'll take it from here. Uh, you had the Bucks um, uh, cut a promo. Uh, they are going to challenge uh, Yoshihashi and Hiroki Goto in a non-singles match on Rampage. Obviously, if the challengers win, they'll get a AEW tag team title match. Uh, so something to look forward to there. Uh, on Rampage on Friday night, tomorrow night as well, we're going to give John Moxley his first opponent as the new interim champion. You're going to have a 20-man battle royal. The winner is getting John Moxley. Two beer. You got the pen. Who gets Moxley first? I don't know who's going to be in this battle royal. Is it going to be like last time where it's like you got the ass boys <laughs> in the battle royal? Like, like one of the ass boys is really going to challenge. Um, <laughs> like, so, uh, uh, just, you know, hang on, let me get, grab think, my phone real quick and see if it's, if I can see who's on, if they have a, a list they probably guys. don't because, uh, I know a little scuttlebutt from the dynamite mm. taping was, I don't want to see the spoiler. Never mind. I don't, I'm not even going to go. There. Oh yeah. Yeah. So the, um, little scuttlebutt from the dynamite taping was, the reason we didn't have much of a card announced besides blood and guts and like this Jade match was uh, a lot of people have COVID right now besides the injuries. So mm. uh, they didn't know, you know, who was going to be available. So that probably has a lot to do with who's in this thing too. Uh, if it was me, I would put real stars in there. I, I'm not going to go ad nauseum because I already did last time they had this battle royal. I would put real stars in there that can really contend for this title. And I would have uh, Chris Jericho win it. Because I think Chris Jericho and Moxley is a great money match. And it's something that uh, you don't know who would win because they're both such big stars. And 
Jericho could lose, and it's fine. Um, uh, if I didn't, not to take any of your your pictures, but if you ask a question, think that about was, it, somebody. Jericho was not even on my radar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I'll go up the pick. Uh, but uh, if you're if you're not doing him, um, I would uh, do Eddie Kingston because that's also that was on my radar. Great, right on. That was on my radar just because. I don't know if Eddie would ever get a chance to be champion, much less have the title shot. But, I mean, you would think because you're like, oh, either of these guys could win, uh, and they have great chemistry together, obviously, in the history. And, like, you would think, oh, Eddie could take this because then it's CM Punk that's coming back. And right. CM Punk versus Eddie Kingston is right. awesome. Right. So that's, I was going to yeah. say, you have some built-in storylines with – Eddie Kingston, if God, I wouldn't say God forbid, if he beat uh, Moxley for the title, Claudio, CM Punk immediately come to mind in that scenario. But that was one of my, when I saw it, my first thought was, damn, what if Eddie Kingston wins, you know, this battle world? That would be, you know, some compelling TV. One of our favorite promos, I'm not sure if it won the Beef Award that year, but when Eddie Kingston uh, basically, you know, came out and was like, you know, this is why I don't have kids. This is why, you know, I don't see my mom, you know, chasing, you know, the World Heavyweight Championship in different promotions. It would be real interesting if Eddie Kingston got his shot and John Moxley standing across from him. So, yeah, Eddie Kingston was the first person I thought of when uh, that came up. Let's jump to the main event. Um, main event, obviously, was Blood and Guts. You had the Jericho Appreciation Society versus... Um, I, w- I guess we can call him Blackpool Combat Club, uh, Claudio, what, we were Yuta, um, John Moxley, Eddie Kingston, Santana Ortiz. So apparently Santana got hurt early in this match. I didn't see how it happened. Um, I, I heard get- it was the year, uh, Uranagi. Okay. Um, I didn't he really came down on his leg. Like he did a Uranagi and came down on his leg weird. And, uh, I guess he's having MRIs done, uh, but the early reports are it is not looking good. Okay, so obviously he was in he was in the match. He came in later, but he came in with you know a baseball bat, a table. So it, that's what distracted me from you know tripping off the fact that he was hurt. Um, just some quick takeaways from Blood and Guts. It for me and. I watched it with no commercials, so obviously, you know, I don't have um, DVR or anything along those lines. So the biggest takeaway for me is the people that I'm seeing saying about commercial breaks going to uh, picture in picture, whatever the case may be. I think that kind of takes away from the match itself. The anarchy at the arena was on a pay-per-view. You still had that same, you know, blood and carnage that you're you're telling the, the guests, not the guests, but the audience you're going to give them, but you never had breaks. You know, the only thing I, w- I was kind of worried about is, you know, I want to see this. I want to see that. You know, camera moves need to be quick and, you know, fast, so that way we can see a bunch of everything. I think the commercial breaks kind of took away from it. I thought the, the actual match itself, I thought the first time around, the anarchy at the arena match, I thought was the better match. It For me, it came out fast, and I looked up, and like I said, you know, when it happened, everybody and their mama was bleeding. This one kind of started off a, a little slower. Maybe it was the fact that Santana got hurt, so they had to make calls on the fly. Um, 
for me, like I said, it's this was good. You know, it, it, it achieved its goal, which to me was at the very end. But between the two matches, I like the Anarchy or the Arena match better. The third thing, the biggest takeaway from it is the finish of the match happens on the top of the cage where you had um, uh, Daddy Magic, whatever his name, the Matt Dude, and Chris Jericho at the top of the cage with Eddie Kingston and Claudio up there against them trying to finish off the match. Now, from there, you had Eddie Kingston and Claudio both put on finishing, or not finishing moves, but uh, submissions on, uh, Eddie Kingston had his submission on Chris Jericho, and Claudio had his submission on um, uh, Matt Renard, I guess, if I'm saying his name right. I don't even know what the fuck his name is. Um, Claudio had a sharpshooter, and Eddie Kingston had his finisher on it, so... Matt taps out before Jericho taps out. So Claudio wins the match for his team. The look on Eddie Kingston's face was one of the most ridiculous. I wouldn't even say ridiculous, but just like a player hating. He wasn't happy that they won the match. He was mad because Claudio got the dub where he was going to try to tap out Chris Jericho. That to, that to me was like, damn, dog, really? You man like that? You and y'all yeah. won the match. Claudio's trying to pound him up, and you know, Eddie's sitting on you know, sitting on the top of the cage or whatever. You know, Claudio, you know, swung fucking Matt Renard around or whatever. That was great. That to me was the biggest takeaway. Because now that says number one, Kingston and Jericho still ain't over. And number two, Kingston and Claudio are going to cross paths in a scenario where they're going to have to have fisticuffs. Quick thoughts on the finish of the Blood and Guts match. I know you didn't see it, but that's the basically the breakdown of it. I think it's great storytelling. Uh, it just feeds into uh, another program. It you know you just you can take these opportunities uh, to further storylines in something like a finish, um, rather than it just being this person wins or this person wins, you can complicate it and get further. And uh, I think it's, it's great. No, I liked it a lot. It was just, that to me was like, you know, y'all can, I was just so flabbergasted that Eddie Kingston just couldn't take the dub. I get it, dog. Damn, but man, y'all won. Okay. You just got your ass handed to you for the better part of 20 minutes, give or take. And you still mad. Interesting stuff. I can't wait to see what happens next week, at least for that and the other things that are going ready to come up on that lovely note. Let's get to that three count. All right, so we're going to flip gears a little bit, go back to WWE, well, not go back to WWE, but we're going to talk WWE for a little bit. Uh, a couple of quick things before we get to pr- predictions, a couple of signings. Uh, Logan Paul has signed with WWE. I don't necessarily have a problem with it. I think he's athletically ready for WWE. He's Pat McAfee, maybe on steroids a little bit because he's a little younger, maybe a little more athletic. Obviously, he has the promo game down. It's just now that WWE has to teach them their ways of how to do things. I think this is going to be a good sign, and I'm not saying he's going to be champion at any point. Obviously, he and Miz are going to uh, end up crossing paths probably at SummerSlam. Then we'll see what happens from there. Quick thoughts on 
the Logan Paul sign for WWE. Can't believe I'm saying it. I think it's a great move. Uh, he was the best rookie outside of Pat McAfee. Uh, and Pat McAfee is a goddamn aberration. That man is a treasure. And I'm so glad we get to see him wrestle again at Sun- SummerSlam. He's going to wrestle Happy Corbin. But uh, Logan Paul was awesome at WrestleMania. He was like one of the best parts of like a really good WrestleMania. Right. So stupid. Yeah. But uh, he just was. He's got the timing. He's got the heel nature. Um, you know, he, he's, he was just good. Um, so I think it's a good move. And um, it's not going to make me watch weekly TV, but it's going to make like the shows better. Um, you know, they've done really good with the celebrities lately. I mean, Pat McAfee's different, but I mean, even Bad Bunny was phenomenal. Like, right. They're they're doing a good job with that. So um, I think that's overall positive. So, but WWE needed some good press. No shit. Um, <laughs> Uh, just in case you didn't hear Vince McMahon, apparently he has rape allegations coming up at some point, you know, stay tuned for that nonsense. We're not even going to spend any time on that. Um, I want to make sure I'm saying this woman's name correctly. Valerie Moreta has signed with the WWE. Now she comes from the MMA world. I believe it's from Bellator. She signed with the WWE. I'm assuming she's going to go to straight to NXT and, start there and work her way up i don't know much about valerie i've seen pictures of her i think that's a really good start this is could be a nikita lions uh phenomenon on our hands we'll wait to see what happens on that from that point let's get to the predictions for money in the bank all right we're gonna go to the predictions for money in the bank um Bill, obviously, I shouldn't say obviously lied, but he said he was going to send his predictions. I'm not bad. I mean, it's money in the bank. I'm not too excited for it. I know two beers is probably the same. Did you watch SmackDown or Raw at any point this week? I'm assuming no. No, man. Shit. If it's a week where I ain't seen Dynamite, I sure shit ain't seen them. Do I know my boys or what? Let's kick off our predictions for money in the bank. I, I actually did kind of, sorry, I did kind of want to watch Raw. And I'll probably I'll probably look a little bit at the um, at the uh, replay on Hulu because of uh, the John Cena thing. That always interests me. And they had the AEW guys on there. So no, it was it was a nice little touch for to see you know Daniel Bryan in the in the WWE world, Big Show, Jericho, Kurt Angle, all stop and give uh, John Cena some love. I'll be the first to say it. When John Cena was in his heyday, I was not a John Cena fan. Every time I looked up, it felt like he was the champion. When I finally started to become a John Cena, you know, a fan, more appreciative, however you want to word it, is his AJ Styles feud. Because that's all I really wanted, wanted to see from John Cena was to see him wrestle. And once he had some, you know, some of his best matches, arguably his best matches with AJ Styles that's when he finally won me over as Dude, those three matches were like great yeah I, actually that'd be that'd be fun I, I, I'm glad that you said that it's like 4th of July weekend I mean once I burn out the Stranger Things new season that comes out at midnight tonight 
Uh, I'm going to need some stuff to watch. Like, going back and watching the Cena, AJ. Uh, it's one of his better Peacock. feuds. That sounds like fun. Yeah, it's, it was one of his better feuds. They're all three great matches. You know, that would be something I wouldn't mind, you know, if, if at some point when, you know, we always talk about when things slow down, shit ain't going to ever slow down. There's always something going on. That was something yeah. I wouldn't mind, you know, going back. You know, if, if John Cena retires tomorrow, we need to watch those three matches, other matches that uh, we could put it like up on Friends of BFR, you know, you know, suggest a John Cena match we could watch, you know, something like that. But we are getting off track. Let's get back to the Money in the Bank predictions. Uh, I made my predictions beforehand in the spirit of one Bill Vegas, so that way I am not influenced by one two beer Zach Pullman and his picks. Like I said, Bill did not make his picks. It's not neither here nor there. He's probably going to be going chalk with a good chunk of this, but let's figure this thing out. Let's start off at one of the top matches. We're going to start with the women's uh, the Raw, uh, Raw women's title match. Bianca Belair versus Carmella. Carmella is replacing one Rhea Ripley who was injured. I'm not sure how long she's going to be injured, but Carmella wins a scramble, fatal four-way, blah, blah, blah. So she gets the next crack at Bianca Belair. I'll let you go first. Who you got? Uh, man, there's some there's some real locks of the night here, locks of the week <laughs> <laughs> on this card. I gotta say, um, we're going say with, wait, which uh, one you want to start with? Yeah, I'm yeah. going with Bianca Belair too. Uh, I can't say that it would be nice to see uh, Carmella just make this competitive. That's all you can ask for at this match. Bill kind of said it last week. This is a nice card holder until we can figure out who wins the women's money in the bank and how long uh, Rhea Ripley is going to be out. Next up, we'll go on to the Raw side. We'll stay on the Raw side. We'll have Bobby Lashley versus Austin Theory for the U.S. title. I'll go first here. Um, I've said it. I said it last week. Bobby Lashley shouldn't even be in this nonsense. So in that scenario, plus I don't think this is going to end in a clean finish. I can see a DQ. I can see a count out in some form or fashion. We all in BFR spirit. We talk about the winner is the guy that goes away with the title. My prediction: it is going to be a non-finish, a DQ finish. If I have to be specific, Bobby Lashley will win the match, but Austin Theory will walk off with the title. So in this scenario, I'm taking Austin Theory. Who you got? Yeah, I mean, Austin Theory, and yeah, it, it will not be clean. Uh, Lashley's too protective, and he should be. Um, he really should be. He shouldn't be losing the Theory. He shouldn't be in the match. He's past the U.S. Championship. Um, you know, that was his road to the, uh, you know, the big title, and he did a good job with that with that title, so he, he's above this. But anyway, Austin Theory. Next up, we're going to go... To the next match, I think it's fairly predictable. We're going to go on the SmackDown side of things and go talk about the women's SmackDown women's title. Um, Natty versus one Ronda Rousey. Um, I'll, I'll be remiss if I said I haven't watched SmackDown from Friday night. Uh, apparently, Natty had a, a pretty good promo. Uh, Ronda Rousey had a nice retort. Not enough for me to be invested because I pretty much know who's going to win. But two beer, I'll let you kick it off. Who you got? 
Uh, I will take the Sandy Hook Denier as my lock of the week. <laughs> Say that shit again. No, yeah, uh, Ronda Rousey, among many other questionable opinions, uh, does not believe that the Sandy Hook uh, school shooting actually happened. So, oh my um, God, yeah. you are yeah, fucking so horrible. I'm gonna do. I got Ronda Rousey. I'm gonna project my bill for thirty seconds and do my Ronda Rousey impression for them. Mm, mm. Name made fun of me. I'm gonna come down here and kick her ass. I'm gonna be running around. <laughs> I'm gonna put her in the armbar and smack her neck. Okay, so <laughs> I got Ronda Rousey as well. Let's try to get one that maybe has a little more intrigue. We'll do the Unified Tag Team Championships. You got the Usos versus the Street Profits. I will go first. Um, I just really wish that the Street Profits would have flipped heel just to make my life interesting. I like the Street Profits a lot. I think Montez Ford is going to be the deal once the Street Profits go their separate ways, but neither here nor there. Um, I can see why you can have the Usos lose. I just don't think it's going to be right now. It would be compelling TV to have them coming back to face the Roman Reigns music after losing. I just don't think it's going to be right now. I got the Usos retaining. Tubir, who you got? Yeah, I want the Profits to win, uh, but I think the Usos are winning. So I'm picking Usos. All right. So compelling pod so far. We have chalk across the board. Let's see if we can switch things up. We're going to do the two money in the bank matches. Um, I'll go first on the first one because I know you don't have this shit written down. Um, We'll start with the women's money in the bank first. Okay. So just so you know who they are, I'll just throw random names out there. Actually, I'll do it in alphabetical order as best I can. Asuka. Alexa Bliss, Becky Lynch, Lacey Evans, Liv Morgan, Raquel Gonzalez, Shotzi Blackheart. Those are your seven women in the women's money in the bank match. Like I said, I'll go first so I can you can have some time to get your order in. In typical BFR fashion, we'll go least to most likely to win. The least likely to win, in my mind, unfortunately, is Shotzi Blackheart. Shotzi has not had a lot of traction since coming on to the main roster. She's lost tag team partners. She's getting locked in closets. Shotzi Blackheart is the type of person or the type of character that you would want to have money in the bank around because it would elevate her. But unfortunately, this is WWE. She ain't going to get elevated. Not in this scenario. Next up uh, at number six, I have Alexa Bliss. I know people are like, oh, Alexa Bliss, how can you have her so low? She's a two-time champion. She doesn't necessarily need money in the bank. She can pop up. Hell, she's got it. She's done it, you know. I don't necessarily see a reason why she wouldn't need it again to elevate herself to the title picture. She's a two-time, I'm sorry, it's like five-time champion. She's a Money in the Bank winner, blah, 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 blah. Move along, Alexa Bliss. Let's get you something to do. At five, I have Liv Morgan. I want to have her higher, but there is nothing that WWE has shown me 
Except that I know what you're going to say. Oh, she pinned Becky on Monday. You know how WWE does it. That's your bone for Sunday or Saturday, people. Liv Morgan ain't winning. I got her at five. Lacey Evans, I have it for. She's intriguing. They've been. They've, there's a serious push with Lacey Evans. I'm not sure how far this is going to go, but for a one-shot deal, I'll have her somewhere in the middle. I have her at four. Three, I got Oscar at three. Asuka has a legitimate chance of winning it just because it's Asuka. It doesn't make sense. I know she's got the title. She's got multiple championships, more so probably than Alexa Bliss. But in, in this scenario, I got her sneaking around one Becky Lynch to make sure that she doesn't win. I got Asuka at three. Number two, I got Raquel Gonzalez. Somebody said this to me the other day, and I could totally see this happening somewhere down the line. Raquel Gonzalez wins, and then she flips heel and flips heel on one Bianca Belair. It makes sense. You can go after any champion. There's very few people that we can look at Bianca Belair and say, oh, fill in the blank could outpower Bianca Belair. Raquel Gonzalez can. I got her at number two. And number one, it's chalk, but it kind of makes sense to me. I got Becky Lynch at one. Becky Lynch has had this new character. It makes me giggle all the fucking time because now everything is the worst thing. She can't win the title. She can't, you know, outsmart her opponents the way she should. In this scenario... I'm not sure why I like Becky Lynch the way I do to win it. To me, it's a safe bet. It kind of makes sense moving forward that she's a character that is always going to be lurking over the champion, whether it's Bianca Belair, whether it's Ronda Rousey. She'll be lurking over either or to possibly cash in at any moment. I got Becky Lynch as my most likely to win the 2022 Women's Money in the Bank. Did I give you enough time? Oh yeah, I'm good. Talk to uh, me. Who you got? All right, so uh, I'm putting Shotzi at the bottom. Also, um, I mean, I didn't need an explanation. I thought she was an intriguing addition because we watched her uh, almost kill herself so many times in NXT ladder <laughs> matches. <laughs> I, said, I was like, well, I was like, this just pretty much guarantees that I'm watching this goddamn pay per view on Sunday more right. than anything else. Yeah, I was about they to threw say Shotzi Blackheart. No, no, the, no. Wait, I'm, it's Saturday, man. Don't think Sunday. It's Saturday. It's Saturday. No, I'm not watching them. No, I'm joking. You'll <laughs> 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 watch it on Sunday. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Shotzi. Uh, then I'm going to switch it up from you. I am going to go Asuka as much as I love her and think she's great. Uh, you know, she won this thing a couple years ago. I don't see them doing a repeat with her. Um, she's a credible contender and she's fantastic, but no, I, I don't see her winning again. Uh, then uh, I am going to go Liv Morgan. Because uh, I think Liv Morgan's like ship has sailed for the most part as far as them heating her up uh, for a singles run. But um, she's still viable. I like Liv. And then I'm going to go Becky Lynch because I think them continuing this thing of like Becky losing, they got to keep Becky away from Ronda until WrestleMania. Right. So obviously you're not going to beat her until then, but having like a very frustrated. Becky Lynch, like you said, it's an interesting character. So I'm going to put her further down on the list. Uh, then I'm going to put Lacey Evans because they obviously behind her. She has something of an interesting story. She's a good promo. She could be a really good money in the bank holder, like one that like holds it for a while. Right. And um, doesn't necessarily have anything going on with the people that are uh, now, but just like really holds on to that thing. So that could be good. 
then I have uh, Alexa Bliss, just because she's Alexa Bliss. Um, that's why she gets up there because uh, she's maybe the best option for it. Even though, like you said, she's she's had it, but she's just really good at like that kind of stuff. Right. Like that, that's good for her. And then I have Raquel Rodriguez. I think Raquel Rodriguez is going to get it. Uh, it's it's a bold pick, and it would be a bold move. Uh, and I think it would be a relatively early cash in. Uh, but the women's money in the bank is not somebody that usually holds it very long. Uh, it usually gets cashed in real, real fast. quick. Yeah, I was going to say Nikki ASH. Um, on say Alexa Bliss did it the same night. So yeah, I can totally see. You, uh, I can totally see why you say that. Yeah. So uh, that's my that's my bold prediction. Okay. Money in the bank. All right. That's no. I don't, like I said, I got Raquel at two, so I'm, I'm not too far behind you. I just, I think in this scenario, I don't think Raquel cashes in right away because it would, it would almost be a failed cash in. Maybe uh, she's already lost to obviously Ronda Rousey. Like I said, her versus Bianca would be real intriguing. Uh, it's at least a push there. You know, there's no guarantee that she would beat, you know, the current champion, Bianca Belair. Now, you know, if Bianca slips on the banana peel and loses to Carmella and, you know, <laughs> you got uh, Raquel Gonzalez, you know, as champ, you know, she better be running down the ring at that point. She had cash in time, but we'll see what happens. Um, we'll go last to the, I'm assuming the main event as the men's money in the bank. You have a TBA opponent. Um, I'm assuming this is a. Let me look, look at this. Raw, SmackDown, SmackDown, Raw, SmackDown, Raw. I'm assuming it's a. It's three and three. So let's just say it's a SmackDown guy because it's. Because don't they have to have this announced it on the show Friday? So. Right. Yeah. It's, it'll probably, probably be, be a SmackDown guy. It's my yeah. guess. TBA versus Omos versus Sheamus versus Drew McIntyre versus Riddle versus Sami Zayn versus Seth Rollins. Um, I'll go first. I gave you the the way I have it broken down. The, that's who I think is going to go least to most, but I'll break it down real quick. TBA, I don't give a shit who TBA is. TBA ain't winning a goddamn thing. Omos is the, the is my number six uh, choice. Um, at seven foot, I mean, damn, he should be just be able to jump up and get that motherfucker. But I think people, I think fans would reject Omos as the winner of the Money in the Bank. Plus, I think you need to build him up more. Um, with other singles feuds maybe a mid-card championship something along those lines Sheamus I have it five um Sheamus doesn't need it Sheamus can jump in at, at the title picture at any given point Drew at four same argument he should be getting Roman Reigns as, as long as Roman Reigns retains against the uh the beast Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam in the last man standing match. I got Riddle at three. Riddle, it really intrigues me just because I can see Riddle winning. I can see Riddle holding on to it. I can see Randy Orton coming back and them having a Tulsa Ford or Randy costing, dare I say, Riddle his cash in. That would really set up a potential feud down the line. But, you know, Randy Orton has to come back. But Riddle, I got at three. Sami Zayn I have at number two. Now, those who didn't watch SmackDown on last Friday, Sami Zayn won his match against uh, Shinsuke Nakamura to get the entry into the Money in the Bank. 
post-match, he has declared that he would not cash in on Roman Reigns as long as Roman Reigns is the champion. Man, that storyline writes itself. I won't say this is more of a I want it to happen versus I think it's going to happen. So that's why I have Sami Zayn up so high. So God forbid if it does happen, I look like kind of the smartest guy in the room. It's a long shot, but goddamn, watching Sami Zayn, you know, have to, you know, watch Roman Reigns go through match after match after match. And, you know, do I cash in? Do I don't cash in? Did he, you know, find the spot to cash in? You have Paul Heyman going ape shit. I think that that's a good six months of WWE right there, writes itself. But at number one, and I'm not saying he's going cashing in successfully, but I don't think you have Cody Rhodes talking about. I'm going to be there when Seth Rollins wins if you don't have a little something behind it. I think Seth Rollins wins. I think Cody Rhodes in some form or fashion, once he gets healthy, costs Seth Rollins this title to cash in. And that's where you can pick up the Cody Rhodes-Seth Rollins feud if you wanted to, if he's healthy to do so. Seth makes a lot of sense, especially the fact that he's the one of the last guys to beat Roman Reigns at the Royal Rumble. Granted, it was in the DQ, but he's the last guy to beat Roman Reigns, pinfall or otherwise. I got Seth Reigns at number one. Two beer, who you got? All right, I'm going to go on a limb. I'm going to say they're going to put Kofi in the money in the bank. Oh, so uh, you already got TBA. Look at you. Uh, I'm still putting him at number seven. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't shit. <laughs> Sorry, Kofi. Uh, and then I'm going to go Sheamus. Uh, he's the oldest one in the match. Uh, that's the main reason. Uh, then uh, Sami Zayn, even though I love him, so I'm actually putting him above almost, which or below almost, which is terrible. It's the worst thing. <laughs> but they're like way higher on almost. Uh, than they should be. Uh, so then I'm going to go almost after that. Uh, so number three, Drew McIntyre. Uh, he's already got a shot lined up at Cardiff. Um, then Matt Riddle for number two, even though I'd like to pick him at number one because I think him having it is more intriguing in some ways uh, because Seth has had it before. But Seth is also the architect behind the greatest cash-in and money to make history and there's a repeat performance of that match. Like there's Brock versus Roman. So if Seth got it and then kept it till WrestleMania, everybody would be wondering if he, he ain't got to on this thing again. I was about to say, he ain't got to wait to WrestleMania. SummerSlam is, is like next month. Oh, SummerSlam. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Never mind. So, that, it's not WrestleMania. Yeah. That story yeah, writes still. itself. I didn't even think about that, but yeah, that's yeah. See, okay. I, I feel a little more confident about my Seth Rollins pick at this point. Plus, he was in the match right. to begin with. And right. I I know that WWE's booking is terrible, but like even though Riddle just recently got added, it makes him firm to win. I can't imagine that they wouldn't already have him in the match if he was like inked to win. You know, like I feel like the guy that was this probably was for was Cody, but since it's not Cody, this heats up Seth after three losses to Cody and is thematically appropriate. And also Seth's been in this match since day one. So it's just like He's the guy. Right. Okay. Okay. Now, I, it should be interesting at the very least. Um, I'm not saying that I'm stoked, but I, w- I would be lying if I did not say that I'm, I'm at least going to watch it when I get off work. We'll see what happens. And uh, it's just for me, 
I'll just I'll say it personally. I won't speak for two beer on this. This is the worst time for WWE to be trying to get my attention. I'm still amped from Sunday, and I'm still and I want to see what happens on more AEW, on more uh, New Japan versus whatever WWE has coming up. There's not anything that is on the Money in the Bank card or last man standing when it comes to Brock versus Roman 16. I don't give a fuck what number it is at this point. That doesn't interest me anymore. Okay. You you fucked it up for me. You fucked it up at WrestleMania. If you gave me a queen finish, I probably wouldn't be as mad. You gave me that bullshit. And now you want to give me some more bullshit. Hard pass. That's what it's. That's just me. Like I said, two beer last thoughts. Nope, I'm good. My nigga. This is banned from ringside. All right. Um, I'm not sure where Bill gets his birthdays, but um, I didn't do birthdays because that's not what I do. I'll steal his, like, AKAs and, you know, run the show when he ain't here. So we ain't doing no birthdays this week. Um, I'll do a, like, a go-home thought. Um, it's the weekend. It's the holidays. Let's not be silly on the weekend and try to throw fireworks from your hands look don't be cute okay go out have a good time (laughs) but let's come back with fingers toes hands arms intact all right trust me i'm not gonna sit up here and say i haven't done it before but i'm a little older now i see the air in my waist (laughs) probably not the best way to go about it two beer a go home thought anything you want I love that that was your go-home thought. It was so wholesome. <laughs> it was so unexpected. Like, I did not expect a, a fireworks PSA. Like, if you were going to say, how did you guys go home on the podcast? Like, that'd be, like, pretty far down the list. <laughs> so, I like to keep us on great. your toes, baby. <laughs> I appreciate it. That's too funny. All right, let's get the fuck up out of here. Well, everybody, thanks for coming out. Thanks for joining us. I know there's a ton of podcasts. Thanks for listening to ours. Uh, for the cats, wherever they are, Billy Lucifer, you've been awfully quiet. I got to go check on you. For the cats, the tag team champs of the world, for Two Beer Zach Pullman, for Bill Veggie, for Lucha Chris, for Patriot Pat, for Visional, Visionary Global Media, I am your humble host, Jason Cornelius Bell. Now, always remember, hashtag Booty Heels, hashtag uh, support your local drug dealers, support your local restaurants, and everybody, boo the heels, bitch. Good job.